With the death of Eddie Van Halen yesterday at 65, we're playing Van Halen all day. We'll talk about Eddie Van Halen with our friend Remy Maxwell from Jack an hour from now. But right now it's time for Playing Politics, this partnership between WCCO Radio and the Star Tribune and Patricia Lopez and John Rash are both on the Centerpoint Energy Home Service Plus Hotline. Great to have you back on the show, both of you. Let's talk about the president. Let's talk about COVID. There's so many ways to go. Um, let me let me start with you, Pat. And this is one that I still, I guess I'm not surprised anymore, but I still think it's a remarkably startling that the White House will not tell us yet when the president last tested negative. So... You have all these folks, Pat, who were at the Amy Comey Barrett event on Mm -hmm. September 26th. They tested positive. You have individuals who were at the Gold Star family event the next day. They Mm -hmm. tested positive. They tell us all the time that the president is tested every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. It's not complicated to say, just so you know, here is the last day when the president tested negative. Assume they're lying, Chad. I, I don't know how else to phrase that. I mean, if the president were indeed being tested every day and had negative results every day, it would be awfully simple to just say that. And why wouldn't they? Um, the fact that they're not, I assume, means they can't. And and it's shockingly irresponsible for them to held these events. Um, it's it's proof positive of how incredibly contagious. Um, COVID remains. I mean, the number of people who have tested positive after just those few events is jaw-dropping. It's now most of, if you include um, the people who were involved in the debate prep um, for the president, it's, it's most of the people who are in his inner circle. And then we still don't know how many more besides because they have refused to do contact tracing and refused to let CDC do contact tracing. John, how about this part of the story before we get to more aspects? I think that um, Pat makes the point quite well in terms of the fact that the lack of information or the obfuscation coming from the White House does a great disservice, not just to the president and the presidency, but to people. And I think that in more than anything, those that those who were in contact at these events or assorted events, including potentially here in Minnesota, have a fundamental right to know, and it's the right and decent thing to do is to be upfront and honest and go through the CDC protocols in terms of contact tracing and and getting in touch with people um, who may have been in contact with the president or people who are close to the president. And that seems to be a very basic thing. It's not that this this is going to embarrass the president. Everyone in the world is aware that he's contracted COVID-19, and everyone certainly hopes that he indeed is on the road to recovery and, and uh, doing better than so many other patients who have been afflicted with this dreadful disease have been at this point. But this seems to be the bare minimum, and they can't even do that. John, here here's another. You go first, and Pat, you just jump right in. The, the mm-hmm. two stunts that took place, the stunt of putting the president as an individual who has tested positive from COVID, who knows which day, as we've established, and putting him in a hermetically sealed vehicle 
where he should be in one, but there was no reason to put the others at risk in that vehicle. And the idea that the Secret Service uh, is always there to protect the president, absolutely. But to unnecessarily do this for a photo op is just awful. And then to fly back and to rip off the mask and the fact that they had to do it twice for the video is stunning in almost all cases except during this presidency. Secret Service is there and has sworn to uphold their duty to protect the president, but they shouldn't have to be protected from the president. And indeed, he did put the people who were willing to put their lives on the line, put them at risk. And that's extraordinarily selfish of the president to do that. And that's something that beyond red, blue, left, right, however one's uh, particular politics fall, that's just not the right thing to do when you have a highly contagious virus like the president does at this point. And, you know, lest we we thought that when he indeed did return to the White House, that it's just the way that he wanted to greet the people who were out there. They almost immediately, within an hour or so, made it into a campaign video as if he was a conquering hero coming back yep. to the White House. So it was clearly done for his reelection campaign purposes and, again, sent the wrong signals about the significance of this disease and the CDC protocols and how to keep it from being more contagious. And the pulling off of the mask amplified his message that he's had throughout the pandemic, and that's one that has resulted in the U.S. having the highest number of cases and deaths despite only having about 4% of the world's population. So really missed opportunities on both. A true leader, um, Chad, is cognizant of the fact that he has people around him who are willing to die for him at a moment's notice. That is the function of the Secret Service. They all know that. They're there to take the bullet if necessary to protect the president. But you have to be mindful of that and be very judicious about how you use that power and to needlessly, recklessly endanger these people who are sworn to protect him with their own lives is just, I, I find it one of the most debasing um, events of this presidency, that he would stoop to that level. I, I just, I found myself just revolted at the whole thing. And for what? So he can grab a, a little bit of applause and a little bit of adoration from the people who are out there. There's just, there's something so pathetic about the whole thing. I mean, you'd like to think that by the time someone reaches the presidency, they're a little above that. They're, they're a little more mindful of the gravitas of the office they hold, the awesome responsibilities and powers that they have and are no longer in need of this kind of, you know, lavish cheering and adoration. It's just, it was just all very, very strange. Let's, uh, let's talk about the three congressmen from Minnesota, Emmer, Hagedorn, and Stauber, who all were on Air Force One with the president, the news comes out, and then Friday, as many congressmen and congresswomen do every week, they fly back. But, of course, they have been exposed to at least two in Hope Hicks and Donald Trump, two individuals who by then we knew had tested positive. Your paper, I think, had it first. I was highly critical of it. Jim Hagedorn has said they provided information to Delta at the airport 
and we're given the okay. Pat, do we know enough about this yet? Because the Delta policy is clear. If you've yes. been exposed to someone, you should not fly the plane. Did just the individuals at the gate get this wrong? Is there some explanation for this? Because to me, this story kind of vanished a little too quickly. And I still would like a little bit more clarity on the decision these individuals made and what the company did in allowing them to fly. Yeah, I I think we'd all like a little more clarity, Chad. Um, I particularly would like to know exactly how they answered those screening questions that we were all that we are now all so familiar of. Yeah, right. with have, that that you know, practically every public place you go, you're asked, you know, have you been in contact with anybody exposed to COVID? Have you had a fever? Do you have any symptoms? I want to know how they answered those questions. Were they asked? Did they answer that way? Did Delta allow them on the flight anyway? Because that would have been, you know, uh, seemingly a clear contradiction of what they've stated and what would be applied to other passengers. Um, why would there have been an exception made? Uh, and if there wasn't, did they perhaps not fully disclose all their information? I, I do think we need to know more. If I had been a passenger on that flight, I'd be upset and, frankly, a little terrified at the fact that you were, you know, so exposed in a situation where you have no control. I mean, you're in an enclosed space space with someone for hours breathing recirculated air. We know this is aerosolized. That's a, you know, that's a perfect situation. Has there been contract tracing done of the other passengers who were on that flight? Yeah, I don't think right. we know that either. John, do you think the uh, the three individuals have answered enough questions on this? No, and I think the questions that they answered for Delta may have been technically correct, but I don't think it was ethically correct to get on the plane. And I think that when you have the privilege of holding higher office, it's appropriate to set an example. We just talked about it with the president. And I think that this would have been a teachable moment that these three representatives could have sent the state and indeed the country after they had known exposure to President Trump here. So I don't think that it was appropriate what they did. I think they easily could have explained that they weren't coming home for that particular weekend because that they thought it was best to be in self-quarantine or, you know, isolation just out of an abundance of caution in today's catchphrase. And I think that the voters of their districts and of the state would have respected that. So I think, again, some uh, behavior that doesn't exhibit the way that as a nation we need to get out of this dynamic. And instead, what we get are complaints often from the same type of representative or the president about the constrictions that are happening to the country and the economy. Well, you're not going to get rid of those until you're able to control the virus itself. And we're clearly very, very far from having that controlled. Let's take a pause right here. Come back, talk about what's taking place tonight. The vice presidential debate with Vice President Pence and Senator Harris will return with the Star Tribune editorial board in moments on CCO. John Rash and Patricia Lopez from the uh, Star Tribune editorial board. John, I'll start with you. Mike Pence, Kamala Harris tonight. It is a very unique situation with the president testing positive. The president 74. Joe Biden would be 78 as president. Most of the time, the vice presidential debate only stands out if one person looks inferior, 
if one of the candidates has a standout line, what makes this important? And then who do you think has more to show tonight, Pence or Harris? You're right. It's quite constant. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Patricia. Oh, I was just going to say, I I think they both have a lot to show because, yes, um, Biden would turn 78. Trump is only a few years behind him. Uh, You know, there there are only three years difference in the ages between these two men. That makes their choice of vice president extraordinarily important. Vice President um, Pence has to give some explanation of the actual responsibility he's been given as vice president, which is head of the coronavirus task force. Um, you know, the abysmal lack of a um, national strategy, um, you know, his failure to act as a role model. Um, you know, I think everyone can agree that uh, there, there's been a lot uh, left to be desired in this approach. And where indeed is the task force now as the you know virus runs rampant through the White House? So he has some questions to answer on that score. Harris, of course, needs to prove that she is more than a prosecutor, more than a president, that she is capable of stepping into the role of the presidency at a moment's notice. Uh, A lot of people will be looking at the way she handles herself because it, you know, cognizant in everyone's mind is not only uh, would she be doing that as vice president, but also as the first woman to assume that role. And, you know, there are different expectations still. It shouldn't be that way. But there are. So um, she'll have to walk a very careful line between being firm, staying relatable, um, you know, checking uh, uh, Pence where she needs to and yet advancing uh, her own vision and showing that she can uh, work with Biden. So it's a it's a lot to do. Uh, John, let me add this, too. Uh, I was someone who thought I honestly thought Senator Harris would be the nominee uh, a year and a half out. Mm-hmm. And I remember that first debate when she certainly got the best of Joe Biden that night where I was like, see, I showed you. Well, then it would turn out her her view really wasn't that different from Joe Biden. And then after that, her campaign went the other way. She's clearly skilled as a prosecutor. She's been skilled in asking questions. But we can't forget that as savvy as she is, that campaign went the other way. So. She, I think Pat laid it out. She has a, she has a high bar too. Pat nailed it. All these questions should be on COVID because Mike Pence is the leader of that task force. But that bar for Harris is awfully high, also. Yeah, it is. And one of the unique dynamics of this is at times in a vice presidential debate, of course, the number one role is to defend the top of the ticket, but they have their own records to defend. That's going to be more of an issue for Senator Harris because she indeed is a sitting senator has been involved in a lot of legislation, and Mike Pence has less of a record, at least one that's scrutinized from his previous career in the House of Representatives and as governor of Indiana. But Patricia's quite right. His uh, role regarding COVID and the task force is something that's very germane, and that's fundamentally what this entire campaign is and should be about, and certainly the debate, at least at the beginning, will be about. And if anyone needs any reminding, the optics will certainly be there. They are more socially distant than candidates ever have been before. And a very widely distributed photograph already today of workers installing plexiglass barricades between the two candidates shows the concern over COVID, especially regarding Vice President Pence's close proximity with the president. And he, of course, has said many, many times that he continues to test negative. But 
that's going to be you know clear and and center and upfront in terms of the debate regarding Senator Harris's campaign. You're quite right about what happened with it. You know she's going to be able to have a ready-made excuse and be able to laud the top of the ticket again and say, well, Vice President Biden ran such a tremendous campaign that that uh, he was able to win, and I'm honored, you know, that he selected me. So I think that'll be less germane there. It may be more germane if indeed she tries to run for president herself in four or eight years, depending on what happens in the race this year. I think the staging of that debate is, you know, really falls far short. Um, you know, the plexiglass barriers are barely as tall as the candidates. The desks are way too close together. Um, I don't understand what's going on there. If I were Senator Harris, I would be extremely reluctant to step into that space um, for an hour and a half. I'd, I'd love to know more about um, how it came about, but it doesn't seem to me that um, the debate uh, sponsors are taking this as seriously as they should be. Last thing, i got a minute to go. Pat, I'll go with you first. As mm-hmm. of today, do you think October 15th, President Trump and Vice President Biden will meet in a debate? Boy, I think the next few days will really um, tell that story. By that time, you know, if there's going to be uh, a relapse uh, for the president, we might see evidence of it by then. Uh, He had a a medical report out from his doctor today that said that he'd been fever-free for four days, but no, it did not say without medication. It's easy to be fever-free with heavy medication. The question is, can you sustain fever-free status without it? And according to this report, he was still symptomatic as of yesterday. John, what do you think? Unless they call it off because of specific medical device, there will be a debate. Both candidates will be there. President Trump is significantly behind in the polls, even though he says he doesn't believe them. And he's going to look at this as an opportunity to get back into the race. So I do think there will be a debate. Great stuff, guys. Thanks so much. Need to go. We'll talk again next week. Thank Thank you. you.